Hey, welcome to the Therapy Thoughts Podcast. This is Tiffany Rowe. I'm a licensed clinical mental health counselor and psychology teacher. I own Mindful Counseling in Orem, Utah, and I'm on a mission to break down mental health stigma. Therapy Thoughts is a podcast all about helping you love yourself and make peace with your mind, body, and food. I'll share some education, tips, interviews, and tools from my clinical experience so you can improve your mental health. Stay tuned as we change the mental health game and talk all about therapy. Welcome to episode 17 of the Therapy Thoughts podcast. This is your host, Tiffany Rowe, and I have a very special guest joining us today. Our first ever interview on the podcast. This is one of the best, the best of the best, Mr. Joe Dennis. What up? (laughs) Yeah, that's right. I am very special. (laughs) Joe is a counselor who works in uh, my counseling practice here in Orm, Utah. He is a trauma specialist. Why don't you tell him what else you do here? Sure. Uh, So first of all, my name is Joe Dennis. That's two first names. So therefore, it's highly trustworthy. (laughs) Uh, I'm, I'm awkward and I'm kind of a nerd. And those are now positive things about me. Uh, I'm, as, as Tiffany said, I'm a trauma specialist and a licensed mental health counselor. That's just the fancy way of saying we're legit. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've been in the field about seven years. And I've over that, I've worked in the courts. I've worked in rehabs. Uh, I've worked everything from like a, a couple who was... Uh, it was a furry couple with communication issues. You might have to do a podcast on what furries are in the future. Uh, and uh, as far as a guy that had delusions that were so severe, the guy had to be hospitalized. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the bulk of my clients are professionals. Uh, they're relatively stable, but they're plagued by these symptoms of trauma. Right. Um, that's so many clients, like people who are successful and mm-hmm. just really valuing their mental health and want to learn better skills to manage trauma or whatever it is. Absolutely. So, Mr. Joe, tell us about your personal interest in mental health. Like, what brought you to this point? <laughs> so, I always feel like I'm kind of dogged on the field when I answer this sort of question. Because uh, I used to see uh, therapy as kind of a waste of time and Mm -hmm. a money pit. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, uh, there wasn't really a point in my life that I wanted to go into this field. Uh, I wanted to be a doctor to help people, you know, like family practitioner. And in fact, to this day, I use this uh, quote from Patch Adams of, uh, my life's mission is to elevate possibility and decrease suffering. You know, nice doctory. Now, I was in college, uh, my bachelor's. I was, I had studied biotechnology. I was studying biology. Like I said, I'm a nerd. Uh, <laughs> and then I was kind of discovering that the panic attacks and the insomnia and the suicidal thinking that was going on probably wasn't actually normal or healthy. Uh, And with some prodding of uh, close friends and one of my professors, I ended up seeing a counselor 
you know, the, the money pit. And she did fantastic things with me. I, uh, I was diagnosed with PTSD and I completed treatment, uh, using very similar techniques to what I use now. Mm-hmm. Um, but upon, uh, completing treatment, I switched over from the medical route over to psychology. Uh, so I, I say that I didn't necessarily choose to go into mental health. It was just the ultimate fit for me and for my mind and uh, my stubbornness. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Do you find that clients um, connect to you in a way that maybe like really facilitates the therapy process because of your personal struggle with PTSD? Oh, sure. Uh there's a lot of misconceptions about PTSD. There's uh, one of the go-to like, common symptoms of PTSD is just this fatal thought. Uh, I call it doomsday thinking. It's nothing's going to get better. Everything sucks and it's just going to get worse. Why bother changing anything? Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm on the other end of that. So it's like I've gone through, <laughs> I've gone through the ringer and I've come back and so I'm able to provide this sense of hope to the clients I work with. Really cool. Can you define trauma for us and maybe define PTSD and or distinguish between the two? Sure. Uh, trauma. So everyone has at least one moment of, of trauma. Uh, it's a, it's an event of disempowerment that is so potent it overwhelms your ability to cope. Now, that being said, uh, trauma does not necessarily create PTSD. A traumatic event does tend to uh, bring about beliefs, rules, behaviors uh, that are all in an effort to help someone maintain safety or stay alive or survive. Uh, but where it becomes PTSD, uh, is just where it is. The severity is so intense that, uh, kind of reality breaks a little bit. That's where you get, well, you get flashbacks, you get, uh, dissociation where you feel out of body, uh, now I, I did mention, uh, so I said that there's one moment of this disempowerment, this traumatic event that's pretty well agreed upon. Uh, now I personally argue that there's three events, which I mean, I could talk too much on those. Uh, but for those who don't think that they have trauma in their history, this is usually where I start them. Mm. Uh, and that makes me sound all kinds of psychic. (laughs) So that's fancy, uh, between ages four and six, you had an event where you said uh, you came to the conclusion of there's something wrong. Mm. That's when you learned worthlessness Mm. and you came up with a rule to kind of treat that worthlessness. In your early teenage years, you experienced an event where uh, you came to the conclusion of I don't fit in. And again, you made a rule or a belief so that you could sort of treat that. And then early adulthood, you experienced a, an event where you felt all alone. I'm all alone. And from that, again, 
You make a rule. Interesting. Yeah. Is there flexibility to like the point in the lifespan where that stuff can happen? Totally. That's just the rule of thumb. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd say the the first one could occur earlier, but is not likely to occur later. Mm-hmm. Uh, fitting in could totally occur earlier or later. Um, being alone could occur earlier or later. Mm-hmm. Um, something I've learned and taught about trauma is that events don't cause trauma. So true. Can you help our listeners understand that? Yeah. It's, there's this kind of bizarre phenomenon. Uh, three people can get in a, the exact same car accident. One person can get PTSD. One person can get a phobia and another person can be completely fine. Uh, the event itself isn't what creates trauma that we can document. There's a lot of theory as to what creates that trauma response, but my thought is that it's primarily based in the meaning, Mm -hmm. the meaning that you put on that event. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, a lot of that's out of your control. It's just that gut response. Uh, Like if you're in this, you're in this car accident, you're in a panicked state, your body's trying to stay alive and trying to stay safe. So then you come to the conclusion that all cars are evil mm-hmm. and there's your belief. And that's what's stored in your brain. So perceptions, beliefs, your past experience, all of that is going to inform how you perceive it, the meaning you give it. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh, Oh, you, you hit on something really, really cool. So, uh, I do a lot of things. So I study, <laughs> I study meditation and I study uh, Wing Chun. It's a martial art. It's one Bruce Lee did, you know, like the inch punch or whatever. Uh, I can't do that yet. Maybe, maybe tomorrow. But uh, the, the head dude, the master Sifu, he said, perception creates belief, which creates action, which creates reality. Uh, Let's okay. Yeah. Perception creates belief, which creates action, action, which leads to reality. Right. So therefore perception creates reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can totally apply that to this idea of trauma. Mm-hmm. If your perception is I am unsafe, you are going to create that reality where you are unsafe. It'll wow. just be subconscious. We could really unpack that. Totally. Next, next, yeah. next time. Yes. <laughs> it's one of those like deep, deep, heavy, heavy, chewy things. There's therapist <laughs> like fireworks happening in the room right now. Like, wow, wow let's talk about that. Um, um, awesome. See, yeah. Joe Dennis, all the things. He knows so many things. I know all the things. Can you tell us some common myths when it comes to trauma? Oh, there's so many. Uh, well, you hit on one of them. Trauma does not necessarily equal PTSD. Uh, another version of saying that is uh, some people will say the only reaction to trauma is PTSD. But as I was saying with that car accident scenario, uh, an easy one to form is a phobia. The difference between PTSD and a phobia is just PTSD is more of a view toward life and self. Uh, a phobia is more of a view toward a situation or an object. So it's a fear of like a, 
a car. Uh, that would be a phobia. Uh, PTSD would be, I'm afraid of the world or the world is unsafe. Can you, in case our listeners are unfamiliar with the word PTSD, can you tell sure. us? Sure. Yeah, that, really quick? that might be useful. Uh, it's post-traumatic stress disorder. So if you just unpack the word itself, it's after trauma. So post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm -hmm. So after the trauma, there is this lingering pain, um, usually completely irrational beliefs and behaviors. But uh, because of the pretty dramatic spread of symptoms with PTSD, uh, you can tie many, many different diagnoses to it. Everything from like OCD, uh, eating disorders and disordered eating, anxiety, depression, behavioral disorders, addictions. It's actually been predicted that three quarters of people mm -hmm. who have a diagnosed addiction have a traumatic event that is uh, fueling that. This trauma researcher, his name is John Breer, I believe. I loved it. He said that if we fully understood trauma, the DSM, our diagnosing manual, which is like the size of a dictionary or a collection of encyclopedias, uh, he said it would be the size of a pamphlet. Because mm -hmm. it's all an option mm -hmm. of trauma. I like to say that I treat trauma and its many flavors. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Joe Dennis, man. Dropping <laughs> bombs left and right. Truth bombs. Word. Okay. Uh, any other myths? Oh, so many. Uh, PTSD never goes away. That's not necessarily true. Uh, so I'm an example of uh, the opposite of this. Clearly, my, I, I can no longer fit the diagnostic criteria for PTSD. I very, very rarely have a panic attack. Same thing with insomnia, where that was like a daily occurrence mm. for me back in the day. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't get flashbacks, period. Mm. I can put myself in all the situations that would have brought up flashbacks in the past, and nothing. I'm fine. What? Yeah, that's the... So for those of you listening to this that have those flashbacks or panic attacks, can you imagine going through doing your thing however you want to do, going through all those situations that freak you out, that just destroy not only your day but your entire week, going through that and being totally fine or even, get this, even happy. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. You know, I think there is a missing piece to this. Like, people don't talk about people being fully recovered from trauma. Mm-hmm. It's very true. We don't talk about that. No. Now, I mean, it. for some folks, it's the goal is just to decrease the symptoms. But that doesn't mean that you can't remove them altogether. If, if you want to limit yourself by saying that my symptoms are never going to go away, they're never going to go away. Mm -hmm. That's just the way it works. That goes back to what you were teaching us about yeah. perception leading to reality. Mm -hmm. Really cool. Really cool. Yeah. Um, can you give us any additional facts about trauma that might be helpful for people listening who are curious, maybe if they have some or someone they love have some? Yeah. So, first of all... Uh, <laughs> 
family members and friends and life coaches cannot treat trauma. If you have trauma, none of those are going to cut it. Uh, your family and friends may be like great people, maybe great sounding boards, but you can actually traumatize them in talking about your trauma. Uh, the way I like to put it is doing trauma work is like removing a blood clot. It's you had some sort of accident and it seems like your body's healed up, but there's this inward issue going on. So it's causing some chaos. You need to get it addressed. And so you go to your sister and you're like, hey, would you watch a YouTube video and like get to work digging into this? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that would be stupid. Mm -hmm. uh, no, there's a particular... There's a there's a finesse, there's a rhythm, there's a systematic orientation of how we treat trauma. And it takes years of experience and it takes a lot of finesse. Right. And let me get your back, because I think when you say, hey, life coaches aren't suited for this work, like I stand by you because you don't know what you don't know. And it's no disrespect to life coaches. Absolutely. It doesn't mean they don't have a calling and that they're not gifted mm -hmm. healers. However, the ethical rigor and training and demand that is put on, you know, becoming a trauma therapist. I respect yeah. that. The supervision, the checks and balances. Um, we can easily re-traumatize people. Yeah. Secondary trauma is a big part of treatment. I mean, there's so many mm -hmm. pieces to this where, if that ruffles feathers, so be it. Because I think ethical work is mm -hmm. our calling and we have to, we have to stand our ground there. Yeah. And, you know, and all that said, uh, I actually do some consultation work with a, with a few life coaches and they referred people over to me that uh, just as they're doing their coaching, this person is getting stuck on some previous injury, some previous issue. And so they come into me to do that specific work and they go back to their coach to continue doing uh, the work they were previously doing. Yeah. And let me say this, because not every counselor is mm. trauma informed. So true. Oh, yeah. That's that is very good to bring up. So this isn't even me saying like therapy is the only ethical route if you're dealing with trauma. Like, no, not every therapist is qualified to do trauma work, nor are they trauma informed. There's all types of specialty training that oh, goes yeah. into this, right? Oh, yeah. Um, and I think it's good to know our limits. Mm -hmm. I don't work with clients in active psychosis, mm -hmm. with thought disorders. Um, I don't feel qualified to do that. I refer out. And I think that's smart for any you know, helper, healer, listening, like know your limits and not every person has the qualifications um, to maybe deal with hardcore trauma stuff. Yeah. I honestly, I have a particular wiring. I don't, I, I've talked with a lot of different therapists who just, they can't handle this type of work because it tends to really drain most people. Yeah. I don't get it. I, there's something wrong with me that really just <laughs> helps with this type of specialty. Joe Dennis, you're called, my friends. That's right. It's like me working with eating disorders. I have so many therapists who are like, what? Like, those clients are so hard. I'm like, mm -hmm. hey, I was that client. Like, I get it. Yeah. I'm cool with this. Like, I love it. I never feel drained. Yeah. And I and same with substance abuse, eating disorders, trauma. Like, you want to get with a practitioner who knows what's up, who has mm -hmm. the training. Yeah. 
are we digressing? Are we on? Are we on task? Uh, on task enough. <laughs> it counts. It's our podcast. That's right. Um, okay. Here's really what I want from you. Give us some tips. Trauma tips. Yes. What can people do? Trauma tips. Okay. First of all, uh, everything is mindfulness. If you do anything for you, for your mental health, for your physical health, for anything, it has to be mindfulness. What I mean by that, that is awareness of the present moment without judgment. So the way that I like to teach that, I call it AAA. It's awareness, acceptance, and action in that order. You have to first notice what's going on in your environment, notice what's happened, what's going to happen, what's going on inwardly, uh, in your body, in your mind, in your emotions. After you do that, notice if you were reacting to anything, if you were labeling anything as bad. If you were, you have to dig in a little bit more and come to a point of acceptance. There's Again, we could do like an entire podcast on that, but the gist is step away from labeling something as good and bad. Just mm-hmm. notice it as it is. Lastly, this is where people get <laughs> people get lazy. You got to take action, mm-hmm. even if that action is inaction. Uh, by noticing what's going on, accepting it, and then deciding what you do with it. It is, it's highly empowering and it lets you, it lets you do what you thought was impossible. Uh, Also, when something happens, whether you decide to label it as traumatic or not, when something intense happens, you must express it. That's something our culture has kind of uh, demeaned, diminished, swept under the rug. Write about it, draw it, express it, talk with someone. Uh, especially while it's still fresh. Practice meditation. This goes on the same lines as mindfulness, uh, but these are purposeful practices. So that's focus on your breathing. Uh, Look up some guided meditations. Check out my Instagram. There's a thought. Uh, On my Instagram, I put up every Monday, it's hashtag meditation minute. I take a minute to describe some aspect of meditation or a meditation itself. Uh, but focus on your mind, your body, and your spirit. Tell us your Instagram handle. Oh, yes, that might be good. It's joedennis.councils. Okay, so I'm going to uh, put Joe Joe's um, handle in the show notes with these tips he's telling us. Cool. Um, what other tips you got up your sleeves? Let's see. Uh, hold your boundaries. Uh, oh my gosh. I cannot tell you how many clients this is a huge issue for. Uh, look through what is okay and what is not okay for you. And you got to hold to those. If, if something is flexible, be flexible. But if it's not, quit being flexible. <laughs> You're so practical. Yeah, I try. You just you just call it how it is, man. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> it's not being selfish. It's taking care of yourself. Yeah. Uh, and actually on that, take care of your body. Uh, cardio, stretching, uh, those two things have been highly, highly linked with lots of different benefits in mental health. Uh, and as you're... As I'm sure you're listening to this, you're probably aware of some concerns around nutrition. 
Nutrition is a great thing. Rule of thumb, eat food that improves the way your body functions. And there is a place for sugar and carbs. Mm -hmm. There you go. (laughs) Joe knows he is on sacred ground. I'm like, give him the look. I'm like, yeah, that's right. (laughs) Uh, Any other tips, my friend? Let's see. Do we cover most of them? Um, Get a freaking therapist. That's Mm -hmm. a good one. Uh, Connect with others. We spend a lot of time connecting with ourselves and learning about who we are and all that. But we need to serve. We need to communicate. We need to avoid isolating. We need to get out there. And lastly, my my favorite here, embrace your oddities. You're awkward. Just just go with it. Life is so much easier if you just embrace the fact that you're awkward. Then nothing can be embarrassing if you just know it. You know, it's no biggie. You can do a whole lot more. Yeah. Joe Dennis, (laughs) y'all. Making awkward just super cool. I try. You you do. You do, man. Super sweet. (laughs) I love it. Um, I want to ask you how people can find a good trauma therapist. Mm. So there's there's a few different ways to do this. Um, As you are searching for a therapist... Be very open and honest. Uh, If you're skeptical, go ahead and emphasize that you're skeptical. If your therapist gets offended, you probably shouldn't go to them because they're clearly not stable. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I like to tell, I've actually, I've, I've had some therapists get upset with me for saying this, but they can shove it. Uh, as you're interviewing therapists, ask them if they've gone through therapy. If they haven't, they there's stuff they should probably be dealing with. Oh boy, that's a whole nother therapy thoughts podcast episode. Mm-hmm. Every therapist that I've talked to, who I respect, that I see do doing good work, has gone through therapy themselves. Do you honestly know therapists who haven't gone to therapy? Yes. Y'all. I think it needs to be mandated, Agreed. required in your graduate program to go through therapy. Mm-hmm. Even if it's only short-term, six sessions. Preach. Like, how dare you? Right. <laughs> Who do you think you are? Right. <laughs> yeah. If only to understand what it's like to be on the other side of the couch and the anxiety and the anticipation and the, like, yeah. vulnerability. Look, man, you press a button. I'm getting all. I get you. I'm getting all passionate. She's she's getting all hot and bothered. <laughs> getting all fired up. Oh so, my gosh! With this, I like to tell people, regardless of what you're looking for, uh, to, at least in treating, ask the therapist how they treat fill in the blank, whatever the issue is that you see going on, the symptoms you see going on. Don't just ask, "Do you treat?" blank because mm-hmm. there are a lot of therapists who will just say yeah sure i'll do anything i just want clients exactly so how do you treat this mm-hmm. uh what experience do you have treating this what kind of training have you been through in treating this mm-hmm. how much experience do you have mm-hmm. uh now i should hit on this uh and i might catch some flack for saying this emdr is not the end all be all That's this thing. It's called eye movement desensitization reprocessing. It's a really cool technique. 
Uh, it has a lot of theory attached to it. It has a ton of evidence behind it. And it doesn't work for all people. Boom! Yeah. Oh, I love your freaking words right now. <laughs> I I think it's unethical when I go to these conferences and we'll hear people saying, like, this is the panacea. Like, it works 100% of the time. Yeah, that's, that's bull. Let's go back to, like, Therapy 101. 15% of outcomes are based on technique. That's it. Yeah. So if you're crappy at building trust and making connection, who cares if you know EMDR? Right. Yeah. Trying, I'm trying not to hijack. No. Hijack you your got words. It. You got it. <laughs> uh, it's it's this very kind of overhyped technique right now. It, but like I said, it does have its place, and it is very effective with some people. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. But that said. If that, uh, if you're asking therapists, do you know EMDR, and they say yes, ask them what else they know. Because if that's all they got, eh, that's that's kind of a limited tool belt. Yeah, I meet plenty of clients who come in and they say, I didn't like EMDR. It didn't work for me. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of therapists should yep. have different tools under their belt. So that's a really good suggestion. Yeah. Um, and if you want to do EMDR, it's great. Joe, you're, you're trained in EMDR. Yeah. You're good at it. You're kind of the trauma guru in all areas, but you know a lot of techniques. Oh, yeah. There's a there's a version. It's sort of like a a slight variation on EMDR that I honestly I use more often than EMDR. It's called brain spotting. Uh, It's like it's like a brain massage through your eyeballs. (laughs) That's the quickest way to explain that. Uh, But I mean, I know traditional approaches. I've I've found that some techniques work better for uh, different combinations of symptoms. Like if you have dissociation going on, where you start like experiencing an out of body, like you disconnect from reality, it's really hard to do EMDR, at least in my opinion. Uh, so I use other techniques there. That's a good counselor, y'all. Yeah, I'd say honestly, that's probably. I'm not going to speak for you as well. Uh, I think that is what makes our treatment styles uh, effective is that we really emphasize tailoring. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know all these different styles. We know different techniques, yada, yada education. But we also know how to pick and choose and apply. Mm-hmm. Socrates would call that wisdom, y'all. That's right. Really, really cool. Um, so we're kind of wrapping up the episode here. Any final thoughts for our listeners? Mm. Embrace your awkward. Go go do something stupid just for the sake of doing it. Nothing. Quit holding yourself Nothing back. dangerous. Well, <laughs> maybe slightly dangerous. I mean, be intelligent about it. How about that? <laughs> intelligent. Risk. <laughs> Intelligent risk. I like that. Yeah. We should coin that. Uh, Joe, where can these people get on your wait list to do counseling here in Utah? They can jump right on our website, mindfulcounselingutah.com. Uh, you can also hit me up on Instagram. Uh, there's a direct link to our wait list on, uh, on my profile there. If you want to see any particular posts, you're having any particular issues, 
DM me. I'll, I can totally put up posts or give you a little bit of insight. I mean, it's not therapy because it's over Instagram, mm-hmm. but uh, I can point you in the right direction. You're the man to educate them if that's totally. what they're looking for. Cool. Uh, Joe Dennis, y'all, thanks for taking the time to talk to us about trauma and sharing your expertise. You're the bomb. I know. Okay. <laughs> Therapy thoughts, fam. Thanks for tuning in. And as always, be, may you be well. Deuces. I appreciate you tuning in and supporting the Therapy Thoughts podcast. If you want to dive deeper into intuitive eating and body image and self-love, head over to tiffanyrow.com. It's the hub of all of my courses, the podcast, my merch, and information about doing counseling and coaching with me. I hope you guys stick around for more. We have lots of exciting interviews and thought leaders coming onto the podcast. So until next time, may you be well.